If you could determine one thing that will have an outcome in your journey in life, if you could say name one thing, one word that would determine uh, the outcome of your destiny and everything that you're going to end up doing in 2023, what could be that one word? We could look at it, say, another way. We could look at it like if you were uh, driving a car, um, what would determine whether you're going to get to your destination or not? GPS. <laughs> GPS. <laughs> Have you ever heard the stories of people that followed their GPS and didn't actually look at the road? It, true, are into a swamp. I mean, there's the, the stories galore of those that followed uh, their electronic devices. But you know, the text this morning uh, speaks to the issue of, I'll, I'll give it up to you, uh, the text speaks about focus. The whole book of Hebrews speaks to the issue of, of what is your focus in life? And when you, when you determine that, it determines everything that follows. And so after living life a little bit, I understand that it's not the most talented nor the most intellectual person that succeeds in life. It's not the one that starts life with an abundance of provision. It's not the one that, um, say, has a, just an, uh, an unbelievable intellect, uh, but it's the person that keeps their focus that ends up completing the journey and getting to where we would want to say as believers where Jesus would have them to be, but even in life for, for everyday people that may not be people of faith, it's those people that keep a focus on the end game, keep a focus on the goal, then end up completing the task. And they may not get to as far as they wanted to, but they sure get farther than most people in life. And when we come to Hebrews, that's the issue. The issue is one of focus and spinning this, if we could use that in a positive way, spinning this into a New Year's Day message, it comes down to a simple title, what's your focus going to be in 2023? Now, when we look at this book of Hebrews, I understand uh, one of our uh, life groups that is uh, blended, whatever that means, uh, online and in person. They have an interesting cohort of people in the group, so they're very blended. Uh, but they're studying uh, this book of Hebrews. And so uh, I want to say a few challenging things to upset the Applecott up in Nashua. But, uh, but let's begin with some basic introductory things before we get to the, the application. Who wrote the book of Hebrews? Who is it directed to? And what's the purpose? So when we look, try to answer that question, you're going to find yourself in Hebrews quite a bit this morning. Come with me to the end of the book, 
Hebrews chapter 13 and look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22, and we'll answer some of these questions. I've already given you kind of the topic that we're going to land on. What's your focus? Um, But who wrote this book? Well, we come to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22. The author of Hebrews says this, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of encouragement, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints, those who come from Italy. Send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. Well, we know it's to this group called the Hebrews, which are those that have come out of Judaism and those that uh, love Jesus Christ. We know that's the target audience. Secondly, we, we know what the purpose of the letter is. What is the purpose of the letter? Take a look at verse 22. Bear with my word of what? Exhortation, word of encouragement. And so we know who the target audience is, which are those that came out of Judaism that loved Jesus Christ. We know the purpose. The purpose is to give them a word of exhortation, a word of encouragement. But when we get to authorship, we simply don't know. For many centuries, uh, it was believed the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, but no one's really quite sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Let's go back to the word of encouragement, because that we know for sure. What is the word of encouragement to these believers that came out of Judaism? What does the preacher of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, have to say to them? What is he trying to encourage them? Because in, in, in finding that out, we also begin to understand what the application of Hebrews is to us today. So take a look at a couple texts with me. What is the most, well, we could say there's lots of familiar texts in the book of Hebrews, But if we came to what I think might be the most famous verse in all of Hebrews, we come and land on Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith, if you know it, say with me, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so the author of Hebrews is helping us understand what the issue is. The issue is, is a lack of faith and a trust in things that are seen rather than things that are unseen. So the writer of Hebrews comes and says, faith is the evidence of things not seen. And so we begin to find out what the challenge is to these people that have received this letter is that they have begun to move away from faith. They've begun to move away from trusting in what can't be seen, and they're putting their trust in what they can see. What are the implications for that for for them and for us? Well, if we're not trusting in what we can't see, which is Jesus Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, God the Father, 
we begin to put our confidence in what we can see, what we can touch, what we can understand with our mind, rather than trusting who? The person who is unseen but just as real. Take a look at another one. What are the issues here? What is the word of encouragement to them? Look at chapter 10, verse, say, 35. So we're in chapter 10. Come with me to verse 35. Therefore, chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you need have a need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is what? What is promised. And so what we see as the need that's bringing forth the word of encouragement is that there's a lack of faith, there's, there's a, a trust in what is seen, and we can add to that when we look at the text, we can look at uh, 10 and we look at 35, is that there's a lack of confidence and God's reward, and because of that, there's what? There's a lack of endurance. And so some are falling away. Matter of fact, in chapter 10, it also tells us they have stopped doing what together? They've stopped meeting together. So now we're beginning to understand a little bit of who these people are. They once started out strong. They once started out in faith. But now they're wavering. Now they're kind of trusting in what can be seen. They're lacking a little courage. They're lacking in endurance because they're forgetting the promises of God. They're forgetting how they began. Another one. Uh, come to, oh, chapter 5. So they're all scattered throughout Hebrews, the reason why there's a need of encouragement so chapter 5, and we could look at verse 11. About this, we, and uh, so what is he talking about? About what? About Jesus as the great high priest. So we're going to get a little indication of not only what the problem is, but what the remedy is. So about this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become what? Dull of hearing. Why are they dull of hearing? They're wavering because they're no longer walking in faith. They're no longer walking with, an, with a faith and a belief in the promises of God. They're no longer walking with courage, but they're lacking in endurance because they got their, they got their eyes off the goal or they lost their what? They, they lost their focus. Back to chapter 5. Verse 11, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Have you ever tried to explain something to someone that is dull? It's like, so, like talk to Nancy. Like, like how hard is it to talk to him? You, isn't he the great communicator? Oh, no, he can be a little dull at times. And spiritually... Spiritually, they lost their edge because they lost their focus. Spiritually, they, 
they began to waver in faith because they stopped believing in the promises of God. They, they lost their courage because they lost the magnificence and the excellence and the radiance and the glory of who Jesus Christ is. They got their eyes, we could say, off the prize, off the goal. And so the remedy is the author of Hebrews gives us the remedy, which is to renew their focus on Jesus Christ. If you want to get to where God wants you to be at the end of 2023, you've got to keep your eye on the prize. And the prize is not a material goal. The prize is not completing your education, but I would highly advise you to do that. The goal is to be more like Christ, to fulfill our destiny, to become conformed to his image, Romans 8, 29, to complete the destiny that we have been predestined to conform to, Jesus Christ. What should the focus of our church be going into 2023? May Jesus be glorified in the midst of his assembly. May Jesus be exalted as we worship him. The last three years have been like clawing at keeping that focus. You with me? But coming, to, coming out of 2022, glory be to God. The people you worshipped, Jesus, came to Christmas Eve service, the worship of Jesus, magnificent. Church on Christmas morning, we had people. Wow! <laughs> Worshiping Jesus. If you want to get to where God wants you to be, you've got to keep your eye on Jesus. And the author of Hebrews tells us that. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 3 with me. And look at verse 1. Therefore, I love this. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. If the letter is to the Hebrews, the patriarchs, oh, they were the standard. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, oh man, Jesus is the glory. He is to get the glory. Take a look at um, Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 through 3. The writer of the Hebrews likes this word, therefore. 
if you check out what preceded, it's all about Jesus. You say, I thought we were going to cover like Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Just bear with me. You say, haven't you lost your focus? No. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which steals our focus, cling so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that was set before us. And verse 2, looking to where? To Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. See, they had taken their eyes off of Christ and their faith wavered, their courage wavered, they stopped believing in the promises of God and they needed a word of encouragement. And so the writer of Hebrews comes and says, hey boys, keep your eyes on Jesus. If there was ever a verse of scripture that would speak to us on this first day of a, of a new year, it would be found in Philippians. Come there with me. Philippians chapter 3. If you ever want a verse. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Here you go. You can underline it in your Bible. One thing, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind. Forget about 2022. It's gone. The only time you have to live and to experience joy that will transform your life is right this minute. Right now. The only time you're going to have joy in loving your spouse is not right now, but when you go home. Someone say amen. There we go. We're in unity, except for those guys that are saying, oh, oh, oh. The only time you can have God's power working in your life is right at this moment. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to step into that? Are you ready to let the past go so that you can pursue and keep, you can read the rest of the text yourself, pursue and maintain a focus on Jesus Christ and live and make a choice to live in the present moment. What is anxiety about? Anxiety is about something that's going to happen out here. Can any one of you determine what is going to happen uh, this afternoon? Some of you are praying, oh, help Brother Tom. <laughs> Forget that. If you could figure that out, you'd be like, anyway, you'd be somewhere else other than church on Sunday morning, I'll tell you that. That's anxiety. Oh, I wish it could. Ah! And where's the root of depression? It comes from back there. 
Oh, it just... I had the perfect opportunity to get a butterfly tattoo and I didn't do it! Oh, I'm so depressed! Or, 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 how am I gonna get rid of this thing that I got on my arm right now? Pray for Brother Ben. He's gripped with depression and anxiety. He's the power of God. Jesus! No. Oh, that, oh. <laughs> thank you very much. Hi, folks at home. It's, this is what happens at. This is what happens when I don't have eight thirty. I don't have a chance to get the counsel of the elders. Yeah, don't do that. Come with me to Hebrews chapter one. Long last. Hebrews chapter one. Verses one through four. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4, it's a lot of words, right? But it's a, in the Greek, it's a single sentence. There's no commas or no periods. There's no, there's no 1, 2, 3, 4. It's just a single sentence, which tells us that it is a single what? It's a single idea. It's a single thought. It has a, it has a, it has a single objective in mind. And the objective of one through four is simply to do this, to restore a focus and to establish a focus for the rest of the letter, the rest of the sermon, for these letters were read out loud in the assembly of God's people. Hebrews was a long, a long letter to read. And I'm sure the people were like, can't we have... First John, today we got to go watch the game at the Colosseum. <laughs> and what the author does is, is declare the excellency and the supremacy of Christ and, and eight attributes that are associated and flow out of the person and the character of Jesus. And he does that to restore a confidence and a courage and faith in Jesus Christ. And I would submit to you this morning that as you allow these eight attributes that we'll take a look at to, say, soak your heart, to inform your mind, it will lead you to courage and confidence and faith and a excellent, magnificent, supreme Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the book. It's to restore their focus. And the purpose of the teaching this morning is to do that too is to say, what's your focus going into 2023? And if you keep Christ as the focus of your heart and the focus of your life, you're going to get to where God wants you to be. You're going to become the person Jesus has destined you to become, which is who or what does that picture look like that picture 
is to be more like Jesus Christ. And flowing out of that is joy and peace and love and a heart that is satisfied, a heart that's full of gratitude. Vocationally, it will keep you focused on the important things in life and keep you away from foolish things that will derail you vocationally. And so if you think, oh, this is just a spiritual talk, not at all, because there's no differentiation between our, the, our, our spiritual life, our vocational life, our family life. It's one and the same because Jesus uses all of those things to shape and to mold us. Take a look at the text with me. The author of uh, Hebrews establishes this. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by son. There's no personal pronoun there. It just says God has always spoken, but now he has spoken son to us. And what the Hebrew, the author of Hebrews is saying is that God has always spoken. And what he's going to unpackage for these uh, believers that have come out of Judaism is that the, the apex of God's communication to, to creation and to mankind is found in the Son of God. The apex of God's communication was not a program, was not an organization, was not a denomination, it was not a, a book of systematic theology, although we all have our preferences there, don't we? But the apex of God's communication to us was personal. It was sending out of God the Father's love, he sent his son to be born in a manger. He sent his son to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life. He sent his son to be the Lamb of God so that we would know what? So we would know the love of the Father and we would see the glory of God in his son, Jesus Christ. The author goes on. He says, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And then he gives us eight attributes that help to focus these Christians on the supremacy and the glory of the Son. And as we consider those eight attributes, the outcome in our life would be the same. A greater confidence in Jesus. A greater trust in his promises. A faith that believes in the things that we can't see. The evidence that he's given us. What are these eight things? Jesus is the heir of all. He is the rightful owner of all things. He owns everything. He owns this church. He owns the chairs you sit in. He owns the car you drive. He owns the house you live in. He owns the apartment that you live in. He owns the company that you work in. Is there anything that he does not own? No, he owns all things. Then you go to um, Ephesians chapter 1, 
verse 11, is that we have obtained an inheritance because of him. So all those spiritual blessings, they incurred to us. uh, What's the right word? I need a lawyer. And due to us, uh, are gifted to us. There we go. They use that word in Medford. (laughs) That they're all gifted to us in Christ. But he is the heir of all things. Why is he the heir of all things? Second attribute. Because he's the creator of all. The creator owns all he has created. Owns all that he's created. Do you know that you're not an accident? Do you believe that? Yeah, it says it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the whole point. (laughs) That if... You you all have a shirt with a tag on the back of it. Mine says, I think on this shirt, it says, made in Vietnam. (laughs) I was going to say, what's the... What's the tag, metaphorically, or what is the tag on the back of your neck, say? Made by God. He's the heir of all things. There is not a single human being that doesn't have a Mago Dio made in his image. Not a single one. And if he is the heir of all things and the creator of all things, how or what is the best focus for you to be the best person this side of heaven that you could ever be? It would be to keep your focus on the creator of all things because he has designed you and has destined you. And you know, everybody in this room He has called you to have your true identity in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Thirdly, when we look at it, he is the radiance of God's glory. He is glory as God is. He is the radiance that shines forth of who the Father's love for us is. And so when we lack courage, when when we're troubled in heart, when we question, "Does does God really love us? I mean, I've questioned that. Have you not questioned that? We look to Jesus and he is the radiance and the glory and the perfection of the love of God the love of the Father in sending His Son. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. It's an interesting word choice there. When they, if you had coins, I I don't know anybody that carries any change anymore, but when they take a slug of a, a coin, what do they put on the coin? They stamp it. They stamp it. And that is the nature and character of God. And do you know this? That because you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are stamped 
by God, and he has made you a new creation. Moving on. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. I like to look at it. He's upholding, can you believe it? He's upholding the word, Colossians chapter 1, uh, 15 and 16. He holds all things together. He holds your life together. In your most fragile moment, he's got your back. When all seems lost, he's still working. When everyone has abandoned you, he will never abandon you. He upholds you until you come into your full destiny, which is where? Not this life. Next one. Purification for sins. He has come to deal and cleanse the thing that spoils our life. He has come to cleanse us from sin and to pour his grace into his heart so that we can accomplish the purposes of God. Is there anybody in this room that has not or does not sin? It's great. First John 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1, 8, 9. If you say you have no sin, you call God a liar, and the truth is not in you. But, but, Jesus, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to do what? To forgive our sins and to do what? Purify us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you have a bad night last night? I'm not speaking to the people here in church. I'm speaking to the folks that are at home. Did you have a bad night? <laughs> Do you confess? <laughs> and he sat down at the right hand of God and he's, because his work has been completed, and finally, he's much superior to angels. And this has an historical context, context to the letter in that these Jewish believers felt that angels were still mediating. And uh, 1, Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 5, yeah, 1 Timothy 2, 5 says, we only have one mediator who is Who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. What's your focus? If you watch people drive their car, and I'm on the road a lot nowadays, and they start to swerve in and out in the high-speed lane, what are they doing? They got their eyes on the phone, and they're texting. They're swerving in and out. Where's your focus? Is your focus to please God and to glorify God? I think the greatest challenge for me, and I'll, I'll just lay it out here in closing, is to live in the, mo- live in the present moment. Keep my focus on Christ and live right now 
don't live in the past because it produces depression in my life. And don't live over here in the future because it produces, what? Anxiety. But if I live here and now in the presence of God and my friends and people in this room who really love me and many watching at home, really love me, care, care about me, care about Nancy, care about my family, then I live in a place of not only being secure in Christ, but I live in a place where I'm relationally encouraged and I have a sense that no matter what comes, it'll be okay because Jesus has my heart and my community, the people that are around me, they have my back. And the challenge is to maintain that focus and not allow my heart or my mind to drift there or there, but stay here in the presence of God, enjoying the blessings of God, enjoying the provisions that God has provided, and taking this moment to walk in joy and walk in peace. There's a doxology that wraps all this up. It's out of Romans chapter 16, 25 through 27. After an equally um, uh, theologically rich expression of the work and redemption of Jesus Christ, just like Hebrews, the author of Romans were, is Paul, and Paul takes all of this truth about the love of God rescuing us and adopting us and loving us, and he writes this, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Wasn't that what Hebrews was trying to get at? Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, that's what the prophets look forward to, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. And then he wraps it up. He says, to the only, what? Wise God. Sophos. Sophos is, is a Greek word that says that, that God has, has all wisdom, all understanding of the past, the present, and the future. And he has all the power and the means to execute his plans. That's who Jesus is. It's all wisdom to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. What's your focus? The last three years, man, we have clung to Jesus. 
and he has brought us through. Can you say amen? We're going to invite Susie to come. She's going to prepare our heart to celebrate uh, the Lord's table this morning.